Praise the Lord. He's good, isn't he? Isn't God good and isn't he kind and worthy? He's worthy to be praised. Thank you, Lord. Well, we'll get right into his word. I have something I want to get into today that uh, is a continuation. It's kind of like a, a segue. It's not a direct continuation. Last week, I really felt like I wanted to speak on the first Thanksgiving. If you didn't hear it, you can get on the podcast and listen to it. But it was just really powerful to see the story of God uh, establishing his church in this new foreign land that we live now. We are the church today because of these people that went before us. Um, but three weeks uh in, it, in three weeks in secession, before that, I was speaking on a greater glory. Who remembers that? And so on the final week of a greater glory, I had, on the third week, I, I subtitled it uh, with the great transfer. Everybody say the great transfer. And I felt like the Lord wanted me to continue to go back into that concept. So it's not quite a continuation. It's not a part four of a greater glory but maybe a uh, continuation of the great transfer. And so the emphasis on my sermon series of the greater glory um, was really just about the glory of God, and we are carriers, we are the temple. But on the final week, I really pointed out to us this emphasis that Jesus said of himself that he was the temple. And he said, and we can see in the scriptures, that he was moved uh, with the direction of the Father through the power of the Holy Spirit. And then we see that we became the temple. Everybody say, I became the temple, right? That's scripture. We see Jesus was the temple. Jesus had the Holy Spirit. Jesus was led by the Father. And then that position was actually transitioned into his body, us. It was transferred to the temple still on the earth, which is us. We became his temple, and his glory and the Holy Spirit are to fill this temple. It was a physical temple, and then it went into the body of Jesus. Finally, the Holy Spirit filled his body still on the earth, the church. All right, amen. Everybody's following with me. So today I'd like to talk just a little bit more about this great transfer, and we can even call it the great transformation. It was a great transformation. We're not called only to preach about Christ, but we are called to represent him. And this is a very subtle difference, to preach about Jesus or to represent Jesus. It's so subtle in words, and yet it's, it's a, uh, a pillar. It is a, it's a big deal, the difference between just preaching about Christ and representing him to reflect him, to be the image of him. Uh, when the world sees us and our light shining, they're not meant to see us, but to see Christ. They should not hear Christian things coming out of your mouth only. They should see Christ in your life. That is a bigger witness, in fact, than the words you say, right? If someone says something to you, and you don't believe them, right? We say words are cheap, right? Who's ever heard that, that saying, right? Uh, your expression, your life, the, the life that you're living um, behind those words that backs up those words, those matter more than the words, right? If you can say, I love you, but all you're feeling is hate from the person, you know, and feeling some sort of distrust and something that you don't like, something's just not right, but the person says, I love you, 
Well, show me that you love me. Don't just say that you love me. So we're not meant just to preach. We are meant and called to represent Jesus. In fact, we're going to get that's what we're going to get into today. Uh, that we are not just. I'm going to. I'm just going to say it now uh, before I get to it in the sermon. But that you are a continuation of Jesus. You are not your own ministry. You don't have sub-ministries under Christ. You are actually the ministry of Christ. And that might not seem like a big difference, but it is, and we're going to see why. Let me start with this. If you can turn with me in your Bible, or we'll just uh, look together. But in Matthew 5, it says, in Matthew 5, verse 14, let's just start there. Matthew 5, verse 13. Let's start with that. You are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, like a lamp or like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, everybody say, in the same way. In what same way? In the same way of salt that, hasn't, that stays salty, in the same way that a light lights a city, that a light lights a house. In the same way, let your light, let your good deeds shine. All right? So he says, a light is meant to be seen. It's meant to, it's there for a purpose. It's not hidden. You have a light. It's meant to be used, right, for its purpose. And so it says, let the purpose that I put in you, your good deeds, shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly fathers. Now, this was probably... One, it was definitely one of the first, but it was probably the first verse, second to John 3.16, that I ever memorized. This was like in my teenage years where I, I, this verse impacted me, and I set out to memorize this verse. And it's so powerful to me because, firstly, he calls us salt, and then he says that we are meant to influence the world around us. That's what salt does. You know, salt is small in comparison to the, the meat maybe that you're putting it on or whatever it is you're putting it on, right? Salt seems small and insignificant, doesn't it? But who likes unsalty food, right, Jimmy? Right, we can't eat a lot of salt. But who likes no salt, right? If you could have it, you probably would like a little, maybe, right? But anybody like unsalted food, right? It's bland, it's tasteless, right? Or some sort of flavor to it. That's the whole point, is that even though it's small and insignificant, it makes the difference. It's the difference that that lump of meat needs. And in the same way, the light, which could seem small and insignificant to you, right? One little light. You know, it gets super, super dark. This is amazing. The darker it gets, the brighter even a small light shines. And so you might think you are small and insignificant, but the Lord says that your light, which doesn't seem like a big deal to you, it is guiding people. It is meant to guide them to him, to himself. And this is what's amazing. This is why I made it one of my first memory verses, because it says, 
Something supernatural happens when I allow the Lord, when I stay salty, when I allow the Lord to use me as his light, something happens. It says that when I do good deeds, everybody say, I do good. Right? There's no good. Is there anybody good in here? Right? Jesus said there is no one good, not one. So who's doing the good deed? I mean, come on, this is not rocket science, right? If I'm not good, then who's doing the good? It's obviously Christ in me. And that's what we're going to dig into today. But something supernatural happens. Here's the proof. Something miraculous happens that when I do it, who do they glorify? Who do they see? The scripture says that they see you and I, but somehow they get it. That this isn't just a good deed like an earthly good deed. You see the, the distinction here when Jesus is speaking. Because we have to actually take Jesus' other words and we put it together and we can actually get a bigger picture. Because you can think, well, lots of people do good deeds. They don't glorify God. Because it's not really good because it's out of their own flesh, out of their own motives, out of their own desires maybe to be seen or maybe just a good intention but there's no such thing as good without Christ. You guys hear me? Because Jesus said it. So we have to take Jesus' other words and apply it into the scripture. So when we hear good, we know what? It's only God. Actually, what you're doing is God deeds. Everybody say, I'm doing God deeds. It's not just doing good things. When you allow the Lord to work through you and do the thing that he's called you to do, we're going to get into that today, something happens they glorify, they praise your heavenly Father. You and your life here on the earth are not meant to just exist. We're not meant just to kind of deal with God our whole life. You hear me say this from time to time. We're not meant really to just struggle at the cross and be in this constant state of like repenting and dealing with God. If that's where you're at, you need to do that. But we're actually meant to stand back up to leave our burdens, to leave our weights, to cast our cares before the Lord. We're meant to actually resurrect with Christ, not in eternity. Yes, that will come. That's called the what? The second resurrection. We're meant to actually go through a resurrection with Christ here and now, standing in the fullness and in the wholeness and completeness of Christ here on the earth to be his light, to be his salt, to be his witnesses. That's your purpose while you're still on the earth. And there is a time that we, we go through things. There is a time that we must be at the cross and we must deal with things. And even after when we're standing and we're firm and we're complete, you're still going through issues. But we're not stuck here in this place of, oh me and why me and Lord, you know, help me and, and, and I need you just for me. That's... You need, those things are important. Those moments are so important. But those moments, we can even see Jesus went aside. He spent time with the Father, but then he came back down off the mountain for the ministry, for the purpose of why he was here. There was some alone time even with Jesus Christ himself, but that's not it. We can't just be so absorbed with ourselves, so um, dealing with, well, you don't understand, and it's, I got these issues, and this is what's going on in my life, and I don't, I can't really help anybody, I can't really be salt, can't really be light right now, because I got to deal with me for now, and that's actually not scripture, that's actually not what 
God wants to do. Now, again, there are seasons we go through those things, but Lord really, he needs you more than you realize. I want you to say it out loud. The Lord needs me more than I know. And that's what we're going to really dig into today, that each and every one of you has a purpose. Every single person in this room, everybody listening onto the, in this podcast, and every church in, in, across this nation and across the world, whether they have called on the Lord yet and said He's my Savior or not, they were born, you were born, with a purpose and with a call. God has given you a purpose. And we all have different stories. We've all gone through different junk we all have different baggage. We all came from different cultures, different families, etc. We've all made different mistakes. And all of those things are interwoven together. And inside of us, because God outside of our understanding, in such a miraculous way that he could make the whole ecosystem of the earth, which is really a cycle of death, isn't it? And yet, with every death, it brings life. Every time something dies, it's actually for the purpose of something else to have life. So in such a miraculous way, your messy, messed up story is actually somehow interwoven with a purpose that was planted in you before you were even born. And that's why God wants us to deal with our stuff. He gives us this place inside and this place in him, this secret place of repentance, this place where we come and we deal with him, but for the purpose of us to become light, because simultaneously, while he is so gracious and good to us and kind to us and merciful and will deal with us there at the cross and do it a million times if that's what it takes, simultaneously, the Lord, we have to understand something. Jesus left the earth. Where is Jesus now? Come on, this is a Bible question. Bible quiz. Where is Jesus? He's on his throne, right? He's in heaven. But where is he simultaneously? In us. The only place on the earth Jesus dwells is in you. That's the Bible. That's scripture. This is not me. This is not heretical. We're going to dig into this today. This is not my just my thinking. This is not my opinion. Jesus is sitting, my word says it, so does yours. When he was resurrected, he sat down in glory on his throne. But simultaneously, he sent the Holy Spirit into our lives, which is this, this spiritual, this is the thing, this is what Jesus, it's the same thing that Jesus did, we're going to see, that's what we're doing, that the Holy Spirit indwelt flesh for God's purpose and for his kingdom. And that's what he's doing in you and I. Wow, I, I'm getting excited. I'm preaching already. We are meant to work as his hands and his feet in the earth. And the disciples were the first ones that carried on. Today, you and I, uh, we are the continuation of what Jesus started. Jesus called the disciples to preach the gospel he called them to make disciples and baptize them. And he said to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And in John 20, he says to them, peace be with you. And as the Father has sent me, John 20, verse 21, I am sending you. I want you to say this out loud. As the Father sent Jesus, Jesus is sending us. Do you see this? 
Do you see the picture here? There is not my ministry. Now, we don't really struggle with that in this church, right? We grew up in, like, hyper-ministry, where everybody thought they had a ministry, everybody wanted a ministry. You know what? Maybe we need a little bit of that tenacity back, to be honest, in 2023, but I thank God that we have a humility. We don't have a, a pride that everybody thinks that there's somebody in something. We don't really have that in this humble little church. But, simul but at the same time, even though we must be humble and low and it's the Lord, we, we must see something, though. Jesus was on the earth for a purpose, and it was not his own. You are not on this earth. It's not that God doesn't care about you. It's not that he doesn't love you. But you are not on this earth for your ministry. You are not on this earth for you to be blessed. This life is not so God can show you how good he can be to you. I know that you've been taught these things, and these things are false. That's actually not the truth. You are not here so he can show you how good he is. The goodness of God, right, Dan, it comes without anything. It just is. He's just good because he's good. Can you earn it? Can you deserve it? Absolutely not. He has all of eternity to show us the greatness of himself. You are still on this earth. Jesus made it clear. We need to actually listen to the words of Jesus. We need to look at his ministry. We need to look at how he handed it off to the disciples because that's the reality of who you and I are here on the earth. We are meant as Jesus said, to carry on. I mean, this is incredible. As the Father sent me, I'm sending you. Do you guys realize the weight to that statement? I don't think we get it. God the Father sends Jesus, and Jesus said, in the same way, I'm sending you. Wow. And this, and this is the only way to do it. So then he says, and then verse 22 he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit is not there, like I told you guys some weeks ago, to remind me that I forgot an appointment. I was deceived as a younger Christian and thought the Holy Spirit was there as a tool. Whoever heard the Holy Spirit's a tool? Anybody ever heard that? We may not have said those words, but he was presented like he was something there just to help me. He's the helper, so I thought it was to help me. No, he's to help God. <laughs> That's a big difference, isn't it? He's the helper to help God do what he's trying to do in me. He helps God change me. He doesn't help me not to forget stuff. That's a very cheap view of the Holy Spirit. Although the Holy Spirit does remind us, doesn't he? He does do that too, but that's really the lowest. I mean, that's like real low. That's not really what the Holy Spirit's purpose is. He's here in the earth to change you and I, change the earth, to change me so that then God can actually fully and completely reflect in me so that people will see God and not me. Wow. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in all the earth. Right? So some people think that ministry is like, it's like a job, like we work for Jesus. I already started to say this, that each and every one of you has a ministry. It's just not your ministry. Each and every one of you is called to let Christ reflect through you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try in today's sermon to break this down and make this clear. 
But some people think that it's like a job. And if it were a job, Jesus is definitely the boss. Let's just say it like that. All right. But it's not just that we work for him. We are to represent him. That is a big difference. It's not my ministry, as I've been saying, and your ministry in this church and that church. And, and we, we, sometimes we think of the body of Christ and these pieces all working together as separate ministries. And it's really not. It's the body. Let's just think about it. Like, let's just look at it at the, on the surface. Is my foot separate from my eye? I mean, you could say that's semantics, right? Technically, they're very obviously two different parts. But are they separate? Who, do, who does both things equally answer to? Hopefully this brain, hopefully my eyes don't just wander around on their own and I'm in control. Hopefully my feet do the same. So in one respect, they seem like they're independent and yet they're completely tied together and to the head, to Christ. Now I know this, maybe this doesn't mean like, doesn't mean much yet because I'm still breaking, I'm opening this thing up. But sometimes as believers, we can think, that we got saved, that was amazing, so that we can go to heaven. And that's actually not why you got saved. Sometimes people think we got saved, like I started to say, so that God can show me how good he is. And that's really not the fullness. These are truths. These are just not the whole truth. Everybody say the whole truth. Right? I've told you guys, I've used the analogy before of like a baseball game. You could say, well, a pitcher throws a ball. Is that the whole game? But it's still a truth, right? You can have truths, but it's not the gain. There are truths. I, I have been saved to go to heaven. And I have been saved to see and know his glory and his goodness. Sure. But that's not really the fullness of what actually happened. That what Jesus really did is he's actually called the second Adam. Why is that important? Because we are actually, this is what he means by being born again. Not just that you know, you have a mind change. But that literally, you are no longer cursed. You used to be cursed. And because it's the new Adam, Adam was here for a purpose. You know that? Adam wasn't aimless. God didn't put Adam and Eve here just and be like, let's just see what happens. Just aimless. He gave them dominion here. He gave them purpose. They were to tend and to care for this earth in ways we don't even understand. That doesn't make sense to me. I mean, I could try to think, you know, we, we, we picture him like, you know, cultivating like a little tiny garden and like a couple of animals wandering around. But you realize Adam and Eve, even though they were in the Garden of Eden, were rulers of the earth. I don't understand that. And yet Jesus became the new Adam. And now you and I have actually become, when we become born again, are now the new, we are, he is the firstborn, our word says, of this new lineage, that you and I are actually a continuation. We are born from Christ. You are not you now with a badge of salvation. See, because if we just think of salvation as like something that we've gained, just something you apply to your life, then I think a lot of Christians, you can see their life reflects that, doesn't it? It's like something that they have. Oh yeah, I'm also a Christian. Wow. 
Come on, this is, you know, I'm, I'm, I think I'm striking nerves, not necessarily in us, but just in, in our world today, correct? You're, you're not a Christian. You are a Christian. I know, someone on the podcast has no idea what I just said. You guys get it visually. It's not a part of you. It's who you are, right? It's, it's the entirety of you. Oh, I also go to church on Sundays. I have this thing I do from time to time. I visit on, you know, visit church or I, I you know, and even even being religious about it, I get into his word. You know, you can do all those things and still not be you, who you are. Just be something that you do. And it's I'm going to be talking about a lot of subtleties and a lot of fine lines today, but isn't everything in life a fine line? Isn't everything between darkness, where does darkness and light, where does it end and begin? You know where it ends? Somewhere on that fine line. I mean, the difference may be black and white. There is no such thing as gray. Sometime, some, but somewhere in between, you cross over, and it's always going to be fine lines where this is, is this just not approved by God? This is not right? And, and, and the crazy thing is, in someone else's life, it might be. We're not talking about direct, dark, deep sins, but right? Who has ever had where God called you to not or to do something that others aren't called to do or not to do? And so it's really this fine line that I'm going to be talking about a little bit deeper here that it is that it's I've become something different. I'm not me anymore. You realize that you were the Bible says you were drafted into an army. Do you know what happens when you become drafted? Jimmy will tell you, right? Right? Todd can tell you, right? When you joined up, you are no longer you. <laughs> you don't have an identity. You don't have any control. You know, you're still the person you are inside you, right? Inside, that, inside of you is still the man that you are. You're not, they're not taking that part. They need you. But now you have become part of a unit. You're part of a whole. And you are at the, you're going to do what they say, when they say, and how they say it. And if you don't like that, they're going to make sure you like it. And if you still don't like it, you're not fit for this. Wow. And that's what the Bible says we are. In fact, Peter, we've just started reading Peter as our church, right? We're in 2 Peter now. He calls himself a slave. He says, I'm a bondservant in the older translations. I'm a slave by choice as a bondservant. I don't have identity anymore. I've given that up to become something else. It's not my identity, it's his. So let's get into this. This is what the Bible says, a continuation of Jesus, 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians 5. Anybody getting anything out of this so far? 2 Corinthians 5, verse 9 says, Our goal is to please him. And so it says, verse 10, For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. You know, we shouldn't forget things like this. Sometimes, you know, we get so used to being Christians. Who gets used to being a Christian that you forget that you're a Christian? <laughs> I'm not saying, you know, that there's not good things still coming out of your life and fruit, but sometimes we just need a reminder. That's why we need to keep reading the scriptures. We read them, and we read them, and we read them again, because mind is easy to forget. Come on, I, I don't forget, but I know it's very common for men to forget birthdays and anniversaries and things like that, right? That's just common human nature, right? We joke about that. The man never knows what, what day it is. Sometimes I don't know what's going on. 
in my day-to-day. -day. But I remember anniversaries and birthdays. And uh, so that's why we must keep rereading and rereading, because then all of a sudden you read this verse and you're like, oh, wow. Wow, that's right. That's a good reminder that we're all going to be judged and we will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. Who's in an earthly body right now? If you're going to be judged, who wants to be, who wants to make sure that the good is coming out and not the evil? Who's done an evil thing from time to time, right? We don't need a show of hands. But those things are going to be judged by the Lord. Thank God for his grace and his mercy and his blood. But we must be aware of these things. And it, and it says this, verse 11, because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord. You know what's funny? You could pull up the New King James in this. Look what it says in verse 11. It says, knowing therefore, everybody say that word out loud, the terror of the Lord. Who's ever heard fear the Lord, but then everybody tries to explain it? It's not fear like you think it is. It's not like that. It's like fear, like, you know, he's authority and, you know, to respect. Well, that's funny, because the New King James, older translations are like the terror of the Lord. I don't think there's another way to explain. It's not like what you think. It's a horror flick, but it's not scary. That's what it's like telling somebody to try to explain this away. When we read this scripture, the terror of the Lord, and we're like, it's not like that. It's just respect. He certainly does deserve respect. He's God. But he also, there is a terror. There is a, it's a, it is real fear. What's the only reason why you don't do 105 on the highway? Besides safety. Yeah, right. What's the real reason? No one cares about safety. You don't want a ticket. So is that fear just respect or is that fear? Let's just call it what it is. Let's stop trying to coddle around it and be like, well, because we're afraid to describe God as something that he's not. But he is. He is a fearful God. He is a mighty, powerful God. He struck dead somebody just by touching his ark. What's, he's not, Jesus didn't change God. Jesus is just a reflection of God in grace. Jesus is God viewed through his grace. But God is still God. God said, if anybody touches my holy mountain, they're going to die. God tells Moses, you don't, I, I'm gonna, I came today to kill your son because you didn't circumcise him. God also sent a flood that destroyed everything, every living thing except for one boat. And then in Peter, to remind us that it's not just Old Testament, he says, don't forget, we just read this, don't forget that the Lord flooded the earth once, but next time he's coming with a fire to burn everything up. So don't tell me it's just respect. It's terror. Now, it's not a terror that you and I... Now, listen. If you do the speed limit, are you afraid? You have nothing to be afraid about. Do you realize why it's still terror? It's still real fear, but it's not fear. It is respect for us. It's the same thing like a father in a home. If he says, if you do such and such, here's the consequences. It's meant to be fearful. It's meant to make you afraid not to do it. At the same time, the child that doesn't have the desire to do it, now it's just respect. Do you see how it can be both? 
but it doesn't change. It doesn't take away the fear. Doesn't take away the terror. It's just not who we don't have to be afraid because we don't live like that. We're not going to. We don't want to offend him, but we must be aware of it. Amen. My, did I make my point there? I think we all get it. So it says, because of this, we work hard to persuade others, verse 20, so we are Christ ambassadors, it says. We are ambassadors. Everybody say, I'm an ambassador. Now, this is really the core here of what I'm trying to preach on today. You are not just there. It says, God is making his appeal through us. You are not, see, we could just, we could quote the next part of the scripture and say, we speak for Christ, as if it's something you do. But we need to get the fullness of this scripture, the fullness of the word of God, the fullness of the gospel, which is that I'm an ambassador for Christ. That means I don't just speak. You know, an ambassador doesn't just go to a foreign nation and just speak. They represent, and they're supposed to, in the wholeness of of the heart of their president and their nation. More than just giving words. You can't just say, well, this is what they say. This is what I've heard. This is what I've been told to tell you. This is what I was told, so I'm going to repeat it to you. Anybody ever heard the gospel before you were actually saved and rejected it? <laughs> Casey just gave a little, a little laugh. Now, we are stubborn, hard, stiff-necked people. That's the truth. That's what the Bible says of us. That's true. At the same time, it's possible when it was presented, it was presented as just words. And there's no power. There's no power in the Bible. Ugh, I know it sounds like heresy. You guys are like throwing me out of the church. The Bible's not powerful. The living word's powerful. You see the difference? It's not a book. It's the living word. It is Christ within it. And I've been saying this for weeks now because it's been part of this, this, these sermons, but you can take a Bible, you can dissect it to try to find all its errors, and you could try to even, then you could be really fun and try to connect all its dots, and you still don't have any life within you because all you're doing is just talking about a book. But knowing Christ within the book, suddenly, who, come on, we can all testify to this. Who said, because I've, I've heard it in this church sometime when you were younger, the Bible's hard to understand. I just don't understand it. Now, there are some translations that we have just kind of grown out of that then you go back into later and you can study and you can understand it better. There is definitely on, I mean, that's very surfacy. There are translations that are hard for our, our 2023 mind to just pick it up and understand the language. But that's not it, is it? That's not it, because now you can understand it. You still see God in it, but there was a blockage. There was something. There was a blinder, the Bible says. The Satan's put a blinder. It's because you didn't know the person of the word. It's not the Bible that gets you saved. It's Christ of the Bible then suddenly his word, because it's his, now you understand. It says, my sheep know my voice. You didn't know his voice before, so it was just gibberish. And now you know his voice, and then when you hear a scripture like, because we understand the fearful responsibility of the Lord, the terror of the Lord, we work hard to persuade others, all of a sudden when you hear that verse, something inside you goes, Ugh, 
right? Something pricks your heart and says, wow, Lord, that's right, I remember. You hear the Lord speak to your heart and say, wow, I do need to make this life count. I need to give you everything I've got. God's making his appeal through us. We are not just speaking, and this is what I was the point I'm trying to make. You are not just quoting scriptures, but the same way that once you knew Christ, his word came alive, that's the only way that someone else is going to get saved through you. It's not by you quoting scriptures to them, but when you present Christ to them, it's going to be actually, this is the crazy thing, they'll hear the words out of your mouth, but then they see, like, how are you so peaceful? How are you filled with hope? How did you go through what you went through and you are okay? That's what they see, but they hear script the same scripture that was just thrown at them, maybe judging them, pointing at them, right? Who felt judged by the word when it wasn't presented properly? But then when it's given from Christ, it's not judgment. It's life. Amen. Well, this is powerful. I'm preaching to myself up here today. Thanks for the courtesy laugh. I want to make uh, a couple of statements, and I started making them already. Every single believer who says Jesus is my Lord and Savior and is called by God, they're to be used by God for his kingdom. Every single one. I want to make the distinction that there is not the preacher and then the student only. There is this obvious equipping that we can see in the scripture, but there's been too much of a gap between the equipper, you know, the ministry itself, the church buildings, the church ministries, ministries without buildings, but just ministries as like, there are Christians up here and I'm an attender. There's no such thing as an attendee. There's no such thing as a visitor. You know what a visitor is? Someone who doesn't know Christ. That's a visitor. You cannot visit a church as a believer. You can't. You're just going to be with your, your, your being with your family. Now, there's an equipping. Hopefully, what I'm doing today through the Word of God is equipping you, but I'm not just giving you information, not just giving you my knowledge that I gained from God, but I'm equipping you not so you can, like, every, the, there was this old Christianity thing that maybe one day you'll stand up here too. And I, I've just, I've got thrown all that out. I don't care if you ever stand here or ever hold a microphone, ever. That is not your ultimate goal, that one day to be a preacher. That's just the position here that I have. That's just what God's called me to be. But you have a sphere of influence around your life that needs only you. And all I can do is equip today. I'm just one part of the puzzle to equip so that you could be encouraged, be filled with faith, Remember, wow, my life is short, and the Lord's going to judge me for what I've done with my time. You hear those words. That's the equipping. Something's changing, rewiring in your brain. And this week, somebody who's going through something, but so are you. And you say, I'm going to put my stuff aside for a moment because I can hear that there's somebody else who's going through something, and I'm going to give them what I have because I know that I've got one life to live, and it's Christ in me, not me. And Christ wants to minister to this person right now. So I want to say this. 
God has called us to be holy. Everybody say, God has called me to be holy, right? It says, because he is holy. But I want you to say it this way. In order to be, well, actually, don't repeat after me. It would be way too hard. I'm going to say it this way. In order to be H-O-L-Y, we must give ourselves W-H-O-L-L-Y. In order to be holy, you have to give yourself holy. And what happens is, when I give myself holy to the Lord, I become holy. Because I'm not me. But it's Christ in me, the hope of glory. Christ in me. That's what happens. Anybody being encouraged so far? I have so much that we could get into. <clears throat> we're just going to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit here. And we're going to go into Colossians chapter 1. Colossians 1 says that Paul gives a similar prayer that he does in Ephesians. And he prays for them in Colossians 1. And he says, verse 9, I've been praying for you to give, I want the Lord to give you the knowledge of his will, to give you spiritual wisdom, to give you understanding. He says, because then, verse 10, then once you understand God, once you understand what God requires of you, do you realize that we need to know what God requires? This is not just, that's not just teaching. That's not just knowledge. Everybody say it's not just knowledge. Knowledge just puffs up. But to know what he wants is different, isn't it? You know, you could know what your spouse wants. My spouse prefers these things, you know, and it's just knowledge. But then it was like a knowing, and it's like, wait a second. I know what they prefer, so I'm going to make a change, not just an awareness, right? Not just an awareness of, of things, but I know and I care, right? So you see the difference between knowledge and a knowledge that's unknowing. It's not just a knowledge of his will, but it's somewhere where it gets inside you. And so he prays that it happened with, and the only way it can come is spiritual wisdom and understanding to really understand God, to really understand his desires, to really understand what this world is really about. You have to realize you're living in a curse. Don't forget that. And the Lord has blessed us so abundantly. He's blessed us beyond we can, I mean, it's just beyond what we could ever ask or think. That's what the scriptures say. But don't forget, you are still living in a cursed existence. You're just not cursed personally, but this earth is still under the curse. In fact, the Lord reversed the curse for us on a DNA level on a spiritual level, but he will never reverse the curse on the earth. Our scriptures say that the best way is actually to start over. The same, in the same way that there was a curse before Noah, he started over. And I don't understand why it takes 4,000 years from the flood to now, or about, right? Just, that's some basic quick math somewhere in that range based on Bible timelines. Why 4,000 years later? We're finally, maybe, it seems like, getting close to wrapping this thing up, a new heaven, a new earth. <clears throat> maybe it's going to be another 4,000 years. I don't know. I don't know why, but do you know that if the Lord had done it 2,000 years ago, where would you be? Would you and I be here? So and sometimes we don't understand, well, why are we still in this cursed existence 
Why are you allowing this cursed existence to go on? But do you realize that the longer this cursed existence goes on, the more saints are being added to the kingdom? So sometimes we get this, we get this concept that, okay, I've been saved, and now it's all about me. Lord, just show me that what you can do. Show me who you are and what you're going to do for me. And it's such a misconcept. It's such a, it's such a, a false concept of what happened the moment you were saved. That although the Lord has shown me beyond my wildest dreams, I mean, it doesn't, you know, my dream was to get out of here. The moment that I could, it was to go, you know, somewhere mountainous, you know, somewhere 70 degrees all the time. Maybe that's like Northern California, Montana, I don't know. You know, and just get away from the busy bustle. Is that the word of life? Huh? Bustle. Yeah. Get away from all that. You know, and then Dawn and I, we didn't plan on that. We're just friends. And God had a different story. Now, today, now I didn't know what I was thinking when I was 16 or 17, right? But now at 40, I see that the Lord had a better plan. It's beyond. He's blessed me so abundantly, just, be, just beyond what I can even understand. Now, that's not my purpose. That's just because he is who he is. You know, my body, you know, it heals itself. It's, it's so frail and so delicate. And yet, isn't it amazing how this body heals itself? It's just amazing. You know, you get a wound, or, you know, and you get sick or whatever, and your body is fighting relentlessly to heal itself. And yet, you know that that... That's with or without God. That's just because you live in this, you're just, you're in the earth. Do you get what I'm trying to say? Maybe. Let me expound, let me just make it a little clearer. You can be in the earth and in this body that's so miraculous, and you can curse God from that same body that's designed to heal itself. Which means that just because God's doing good things in your life, and blessing you doesn't mean you're in his purpose. Don't judge if you're in his purpose by how good or bad your life is. That's a, I think that's a big key. I think that's a key point that you need to hear today. Do not judge if you're in his purpose based on how good or bad your life appears to be. He's good just because he's good. And you know what? And he reigns on the just and the unjust. And sometimes you go through stuff, and it's God dealing with you. Sometimes you just go through stuff, and it's not God. And we need to stop blaming God. It's just that we live in a cursed existence. You live in a fallen world. Your body is designed by God to live forever originally, but when we enter the curse, it's now designed in like a subpar, in a sub-best what God wanted to die. The moment you're born, it's designed to die. I'm not trying to be pessimistic. I'm just saying. So Jesus said, but don't worry about that body, didn't he? Come on. Who knows your scriptures? God says, don't worry about that body, though, because I'm going to give you a new one. I'm making a new heaven, a new earth, and a new body. It's your spirit that I've come to save. Amen. So we must realize that the only way to really judge if we are doing 
if we're pleasing to God, is why he prays we need to understand God's will. You need supernatural wisdom and understanding because some people are going to live here in America, live in a good life. Some people are going to live in huts in Africa. Some people are going to live, right, go to other cities and are persecuted. Things we just don't, you know, we don't quite understand how it all works. And everybody's life is going to look a little bit different and how good or bad it is. But it's to be in his will. It's how does God, where does God want to place this is what I want to try to get to because I need to wind down here. Where does he want to place his light? You are not your own light. You can't say, I'm a light. I, let, Lord, I want to be a light for you. I mean, you can say that prayer, but it's off. It's not you being a light. You are clay in his hands. You are his possession. You are his light. Where, God, do you want to place your light? What place in the earth, what family, what church, where do you want to use me? Not, Lord, this is my desire, that's fine, say those things to him, but then finish it with thy will be done, like Jesus said. If you want to say, this is what I have in plan, and this is the way I would like to please you, the Lord might say, that's my heart, you actually got it, and he might not. But we must say, Lord, where? What? what? What do you have for me? And so you, Colossians' prayer gets into this, and, and, and he, then he says, you'll please, verse 10, then it's the only way to, to always honor and please the Lord. And your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. We need to have knowledge of his will. We need supernatural spiritual wisdom and understanding. You cannot just have knowledge. You need to know God. You know what? I'm not like anybody else's life. This is my life. And this is, and I just need to be the person that you've called me to be. And I don't need to be like anybody else, although I don't think anybody's an island. That doesn't mean that people don't need to be amongst other believers. That's not true. Sometimes people think, well, the Lord's called me to a lonely ministry. Yes, I get it. That's all the prophets. It doesn't mean that they're antisocial. You see the difference here. But you need to be who God's called you to be, and it's only by something supernatural. You cannot be taught. You cannot take a quiz. Don't take a Facebook quiz and find out what God's call is in your life. <laughs> you need him to direct your life supernaturally. It's not going to come by you sitting down and going through your qualities. Listen, it has nothing to do with your gifts and abilities either. Moses said, God, I can't speak. I stutter. And God called him to speak to the greatest man on the earth at the time, Pharaoh. It has nothing to do with your gifts and abilities in the, in, on, on the surface because you don't really know who you are. Anybody, again, anybody getting anything out of this today? Verse 11 says, we, we pray that you'd be strengthened by his glorious power and that you'd have endurance and patience you need that and says, uh, and verse 12, I'm just kind of breezing through here. He's enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people. This inheritance is not uh, things. It's not this world. That's clear because it tells me in verse 27 that the riches of his glory is Christ in me. So his inheritance to know, is to have Christ. It says uh, he's rescued us, verse 13, he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness 
and transferred. Everybody say, he's transferred me into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. Now, I could really get into this. I guess we're going to do that next week. But I want to say this. I'm going to finish here. Ready for a little heresy? Anybody ready for your daily dose of heresy? I am the visible image of the invisible God. Me and you. Not just Christ. You realize Jesus, you cannot, you will not share his glory in your flesh. But do you know that you've been welcomed to share his glory? It says we share in his sufferings and we also share in his glory. Isn't that amazing? Why is that? Well, because when he got on the cross, so did you. And when he rose from the dead, so did you. When he walked on the earth in ministry, even though the physical body of Jesus, they watched him ascend, his spiritual body stayed on the earth in you and I. And we're going back to what we saw over in John. He said, in the same way that the Father sent me, I'm sending you. Jesus came so that people, whosoever's eyes were willing, listen, let me just make a commercial break here. You cannot worry about who rejects you and who receives you. There should be more rejecting you than receiving you. I'm not saying that I like that concept, but that's what Jesus said. Jesus was rejected and said, so would you be. You don't worry about that, right, Michael? We're going to give everybody a class, sales class. You're going to get more rejection than you're going to get acceptance. That is the reality of we don't like it. It's an uncomfortable reality, but it is a truth you must be comfortable with. Commercial breakover. You are a continuation. You are not under Christ. Yes, you are, okay? I know. Man, I got so many things. I'd be If I was on YouTube, man, they'd be tearing me apart with heresy right now. He is still my boss in that sense. He's still God. I mean, I am so low. I'm not even visible. I'm not even visible with the, the most advanced telescope this way, microscope this way. I'm not visible compared to God. And yet, he chose you and I to be a continuation to be the visible image of God himself. God. God who sits on the throne. God who rules. Verse 27, the secret is Christ is in you. We don't have time here, but in from verse 16, he's talking about how God made everything through Christ. He's going to make a principle here. Christ is the invisible. Christ is the visible of the invisible, and everything came through Christ. And then he brings us to this to this promise here, verse 17, 18, 19, 20, all the way down, and then verse 27, it says, and the secret is, this is the secret. Christ lives in you. God the Father inhabited God the Son so that the world could see God. Who's ever, I started to say that five minutes ago, got on my tangent with my commercial. Not every eye saw him, but whoever was willing, whoever could see him, saw him, and they were changed by him.
in the same way, not every eye is going to see you, but you are meant not just as a job to preach. It's not going to work. You're not meant just to do good. It doesn't work. People do good. People say good things. It's just falling on deaf ears. You need to be Christ. When you are so changed, when it is your life, it is not a part of you. It is who you are. When you are that person, right, then the world, your family may not fully receive you yet, right, but all the backlash, all the fighting, all the arguments, that's because their, their flesh is fighting with the fact that they can see that something's in you, and that's why they're warring so much with this, with this guy right here, right, because he has Christ not just upon him, but in him. He is reflecting in his life and in his words, and they can't help it. One day, they're going to glorify the Father. One day, they're going to bow and say, God is, is God, not you. Suddenly, they look right through you. They look right past you, right? Don't remember anything you said or did. It's not because it wasn't ever about you to begin with, and they glorify God. Wow. Isn't that amazing? We're going to get deeper into this, but I just really feel like I needed to see this transfer because it's a big difference, isn't it, to become a Christian and to be Christ in the earth. It's a big difference, isn't it? It is not something that you put upon you. It is is your identity. It's who you are. Praise God. We just thank you, Lord, for this day, and I thank you and praise you that we, Lord, this is called, this is anointed, Lord, this is your word for us in this season. And so I thank you and praise you, Lord. Give you all the glory and all the honor. I pray that you would change us from the inside out. Lord, we need to be changed. I need a new mind. I need new eyes and new ears. Lord, I need to see and know, and I need the wisdom, the knowledge. I need to know your will, Lord. I need to be in in this church, Lord, I pray. Thank you, Lord, the same prayer that we, Lord, would be in your will, and do what you've called us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord.